Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Really well, thanks, my love. Yeah, yeah, busy, but all right. You look like you've already got up and exercised this morning. No, that's coming up after this. Oh, and that's, it's that's like, the next um, thing. It's quite an unpleasant sort of... I'm doing qualifiers for a big competition in a team of two with right. a, a lovely friend, but another pair of people are doing it, and we're all sort of doing this next qualifier together. We've got to film ourselves, and the workout we have to do today is horrible. Not my cup of tea. Oh, really? At all. Yeah, just loads of burpees and stuff. But is it worth it? I'll feel lovely afterwards. And when it's done, I'll give myself five minutes and a sugary snack, and then I'll get on with my training and have a lovely time. And it is worth it. If you get to the final, you get to have this extraordinary adrenaline-filled day in a warehouse in Coventry, which I don't feel like I'm really selling. But I mean, to be honest with you, I can't think of anything better (laughs) than an adrenaline-filled day in a warehouse in Coventry. Sounds like the dream for me. (laughs) That you pay to be at. And um, yeah. Ah, it sounds like the dream. Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist Watchers and just like that, the Sex and the City Reheal. With me, Deborah Francis White and my very special guest, Jessica Foster Q. Season 2, Episode 10, The Last Supper, Part 1. Appetizer. So Jess Foster Q, uh, you've, you've watched this season of... And yeah. just like that, any general comments about how you're feeling about Sex and the City and just like that or anything before we go into this episode and penetrate it deeply? Well, I tell you what, it's, being on such a late episode has been a bittersweet pill. <laughs> on the one hand, I've been forced to watch pretty much the entire yeah. thing just to get to this yeah. episode, which I think is a slight kind of I don't know I'm aware, I'm I've taken one for the team of co-hosts Jess you just told <laughs> me that you were doing the worst training session of the world including burpees in order to get to a future goal which is some competition in a Coventry warehouse that's going to make you happy yeah I'm going to put it to you <laughs> that this that actually sitting down and watching 10 hours of telly is no, um quite an just easy job it's a very similar trajectory sometimes you have to put the yards yeah. in early and take one for yeah. the team, well, this which is you're it. doing today. And here's the sweet wise. bit yeah. of the pill. I have had to watch 10 hours of this, including ads. But what's bizarre is I'm 
glad I have, because the episode we're discussing, finally, they've introduced a little bit of story. They've gone, all right, 20, what, 19 episodes in now we are to this revamp. I reckon they're invested enough in the characters that we can risk sort of letting something happen anything to happen to yeah. any of them. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it's a, it's a, it's really good. The last episode was really it's good. A, it's a strange. I have got thoughts about the series generally. Okay, thoughts about the series generally. Go. It's been really funny to have my partner Steph pop, pop in as I've been watching this, having not watched it since the original series, and pop in and say things like, "Why is that lady in that lady's house?" Why is that? Why is that? Gay, why is the gay man in their house? Why is the girl underscoring her own scene? <laughs> um, I think some of the cartoon acting has brought me joy in ways that it wasn't meant to. Um, I feel like, and I know this. Okay, I'm a feminist, but um, Charlotte has had such an extraordinary amount of um, business done. Um, it, I think she looks great, but it's like it's a look, right? A purposeful look, I think, when you go for that much of all the fillers and all the things. Um, that's no judgment, but I think her acting was already quite cartoony and it sort of adds <laughs> sort of adds to it in a weird, bizarre way. And also Lisa, who I really like as a character, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it really, having to watch them all, I, well, I didn't have to, I was just disorganised. I watched them all in quite quick succession. Um, I noticed, and you can go back and look for this because it's really fun. About every four words, she just has a quick look at the camera. Really? Yeah, and it's rich. She's sort of constantly sort of check, almost checking in for validation, a monitor to look at her reflection. I don't know, but it's like, oh, what, wow. what is happening wow. here? Um, she, mu- I always yeah. think she must well, be the most beautiful woman in the world. Gosh, she's beautiful, and her clothes are oh God, absolutely yeah. incredible. So I don't really notice her oh, because I'm always like, gosh, she's. Oh, look at that! Look at that outfit! Look at that glamour! Look at that! Look at that dressing room she's sitting in. Um, but yeah. I, I will notice that now. I bet I notice that now. Yeah, you will notice that I mean, that's now. the kind it's of good, acting I would giggle. probably do. Like where I'd go, I'd it, look at the director like, is this any good? Yeah. Um, wait, it's fair. And also, this is on Sky um, Comedy. And a lot of this, I'm going to sound like such an asshole now. A lot of the time I watch this and think, is it? Um, and so, <laughs> is, is, or is it a very thin drama with witty moments? But... Um, when things happen like, you know, a really high-profile actor looks at the camera all the time, I do laugh out loud and think, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, that is funny. That is that is comedy. Um, uh, oh, 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 I thought there have been brilliant scenes mm. to throw some light in with all my shade. I thought that Carrie's Zoom about promoting her book with the um, sort of Gen Z journalist who hadn't even read it was so on the money and brutal. That was brilliant. We've um, all been there, to be I fair. Think, yeah. Like, I mean, whether, yeah, whatever you're promoting, it's a brutal task enough. And, oh God, yeah. Um, I quite I like the um, on-the-nose dealing with the included branding that needs to be there. And it's... They've not rather than just sort of sprinkle the odd Apple product around, they've had a whole scene in an Apple store, mm. which is a first. Mm. That was as close as I've um witnessed to seeing well, an actual advert in the middle of a narrative um piece of writing ever. They they actually said, I always have the latest model. Oh, well, I don't mind. I'm still happy because my XR 10 is still working or something. It's like 
wow, yeah, that was a, you've just done an ad. Yeah, it's advertorial. Yeah, and I, you see that sometimes in more reality ents type stuff, entertainmenty type stuff, like where because people are like. Um, you know, like three people have just done some challenge and they're like, and now we have a Gatorade. But like, I haven't seen it in a narrative thing like that. We just stop and do an ad. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty hard on. At the moment, they seem to be doing something. Mm. I don't know if it's with some plant-based lobby or something, but right. last week, yes. they were like, oh, Miranda, Miranda says, said, I'll actually I'll have oh, the plant-based, plant-based. And this week, there was a scene which... It was written like they were jokes or like it was wit, but it mm. wasn't. It was this. It was a bit like, you know, like an old school, like chips ad or something like that. So this is it. Can I tell you, can I tell them your exciting news, Lisa? Well, it's not as exciting as these zucchini chips. I'm living for these chips. <laughs> it's important. I wrote down the dialogue. Yeah. It's important to have some. <laughs> and I feel I can criticise Sex and City because it's like family and we're allowed to criticise yeah. family. It's important to have something to live for. PBS is turning Lisa's doc into a 10-part series. Wow, that's amazing. And a tad more exciting than these chips. And then Charlotte takes a phone call and refers to brunch and ladies. And there's a, mm. there's some quips about ladies who lunch, ladies who brunch. And then yeah. one of them says, well, we're ladies who brunch vegan, so it updates the scenario. What? And, She's literally yeah. said that. And then uh, somebody says, may I have a zucchini chip? And I was like, okay, something's going on here. They're working with a plant. It might be a plant-based yeah. lobby or some, something that wants. I, they've got to be, haven't they? Because it was really, I really, it really stood out. I, you, do you know what? That all flew by me. But that scene where Miranda was choosing a sandwich and says steak and then goes, oh, no, actually, I have the vegan option. I think you do look at that and all the apple stuff and all the other stuff that probably they successfully have slithered past us. But I, you do get the impression as if it wasn't hard enough to write a really strong ensemble mm. show like this, where you genuinely can follow everything and care about everything and feel enriched by all these stories. But to then have the added pressure as a writing team of including all these different, you can hear the producer's yeah. notes in yeah, scenes like yeah. that going, Oh no, we've got to say this. And then we've got to, how many times have we mentioned it in this? And it's so strange. How it's funny. so strange. I, I, it is a bizarre I, I, thing. It's just this, but it sounds like it's got the rhythms of an old witty Sex and the City brunch, but with no wit. There's no wit in that, any yeah. of that. Not as exciting as these zucchini chips. I'm living for these chips. We've got to have something to live for. I'm like, what? That sounds like an old Sex and the City riff where they're yeah. back and forth, but there's no zingers in it. There's just sta- there's just words. Um, it really surprised me. It really surprised me. And yeah. then I, I, I literally wrote it down, but we, we both noted the plant-based and the other one, but there's been a lot of that in this season. To yeah. recap this week's episode, just so we mm. can, because some listeners don't watch it, they just hear the recap and then they then oh, they get right. straight into okay. the chat. Mm. Okay, so to recap this week's episode, Charlotte sells a painting to actual Sam Smith and throws her phone in a margarita to get rid of her family constantly texting as she realises she's more than a wife and mum, much to her family's chagrin. Um, Miranda works at the UN, which is a career highlight, but then decides not to throw an X away on everyone else's advice and goes to see Che's comedy set in Brooklyn and confirms Alison Spittle's theory that the writers have dated some comics and are dragging them with the whole Che thing. 
Uh, it's all mm. about dragging a comedian because people keep going, <clears throat> people keep going, but Che's a narcissist. Che's like, but I'm doing a pilot in LA. You have to come. Oh my God, your phone went off. Fuck you. No, you're not allowed to go back and see your kid. And everyone's been going, Che's a narcissist, Che's a narcissist. And Alison came on a few weeks ago and went, Che's a stand-up comedian. This is a joke about the whole thing. It's a joke about, yeah. want to date a stand-up comic? The room are, you know, they're writers in LA and or New York and they've dated comics and they think this is absolutely yeah. hilarious. And this is it. They're destroying them. Alison predicted um, this would happen. That is such a good thing. It's theory. true. Alison predicted this would happen. Alison predicted that Che would start doing, break up with Miranda and start doing comedy about Miranda. And that would be the worst thing in the world. Whoa. Yeah, Alison predicted it. Alison's a Alison's genius. Alison's a fucking genius. Um, I had just, I had been basic and just thinking they've made Shay unbearable this series. They are dragging every comedian they've dated. Carrie plans her big last supper in anticipation of being together with Aiden. And then his son drink drives and Aiden has a breakdown saying, I should have been there, making us question whether... Uh, Aiden really will come and spend time in this big New York house she's just bought for them to live in together. Carrie sells her apartment, her classic iconic apartment that she's always had, for a song to the young jeweler downstairs who recently was stony broke, but now can mm. somehow get a mortgage in Manhattan, even if it is a cheap one. Meanwhile, Carrie's best friend Miranda is homeless. <laughs> And she's got mm. extra flats she doesn't know what to do with. Yeah. She's just throwing them away. And Miranda's got nowhere to live. Miranda's And as if in things a box aren't room. nice enough, for that, the child that plays the jeweler, who's had maybe three scenes oh, in the entire pair of series, she's her. Her, one, her third scene, which was in this episode, yeah. where she was gifted a Manhattan mega flat, <laughs> she also got to spend the entire scene cuddling a newborn kitten. And she kind of looks like Carrie, doesn't she? She's got that curly hair. That... Yeah, she's meant to be Carrie from the past, isn't she? Uh, yeah, she is. I think they would have been better off doing a show about her, honestly. Um, Naya <coughs> got a baby shower invitation from her ex, and her response was to buy that ex a $1,000 pram as a fuck you. Hipster buggy. I, I, yeah. it's, I didn't it's get that. It's a bit complicated, that. Um, Wouldn't you send them a bag of fresh shit? It's tricky. Seema says, I love you to her New York man. Seema says, I love you to her new man, Ravi, during sex. I love that bit and I've got a story about Excellent. it. Excellent and wants to take it back. We're going to hit that again. And finally, uh, Stanford becomes a Shinto monk in Japan and that makes Anthony realise that maybe he should try being a bottom. That's what <laughs> happened. That is what happened. This is literally, and that follows that. that. Does that? Hey, this is what happened. I, I'm not making that up. I watched it again and I went, mm. um, at least you. I don't understand why Stanford is still getting mentions in this. <laughs> There's, it's bizarre. It's very strange. So um, let's first of all talk about the storyline. And we've got Lisa as well. She's not had much happen. She's had her film career be about to kick off. And then in this episode, she gets an entire series worth of story in one episode. Yes, yes. I forgot that in my recap, but I did have it written in my notes. So sorry. So let's start with that, actually. Lisa yeah. Tom Wexley doesn't want to be pregnant when her career is exploding, but isn't able to say the word abortion or termination. She just says, I'm glad mm. I have the choice, but no, I couldn't do that. When asked the question, should we be having the other conversation? Interestingly, she can mm. say the word vasectomy, 
several times. Uh, uh, and she says, in co- it's a coded oh, way God. She uh, about saying, I'm glad I have the option. So what I find weird about this is in the OG Sex and the City, Miranda booked a termination for Brady and at the last minute decided to keep mm. him because she just said, what well, might be the last chance to have a baby. So fair enough. But in that episode, they really dealt with it. Carrie said yeah. she'd had an abortion and Samantha said, She'd had two and they all used the word abortion and they all talked about it Yeah, and it was on the table. And now it's like this weird. Well, it shows how we fucking regressed as a society, you know, that we have to now be that sensitive, like how much closer we've stepped towards Gilead potentially, but from the nineties to now that we now have to be like, we have to dance around kind of maybe hinting that we're sort of pleased so we might still be allowed me, though, because other, to control our own bodies. shows are having abortions, which is so coy. Yeah. And also this yeah, is... Yeah, that's weirdly coy for this show because they've been so... It's HBO. I mean, they've gone out of their way. If anything, they've gone laughably out of their way. Yeah, to be <laughs> to, to update, update the their show. sensibilities. Sometimes in such a clanging fashion that it's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, and, you don't need an actual flag on a laptop. We get it. Like, like I know. And yeah, so it's sorry. just very weird <laughs> that they would not be allowed to say the word abortion or able to say the word abortion or termination. That yeah. it just she's married to someone who's running for a political position and he can't Congress, maybe say to his it. wife, Look, if you want to have a termination and maybe he's being sensitive to her because mm-hmm. it you know, if you've got a fetus inside of you, maybe he might I don't know. But it's just a bit weird. It's just a bit weird that nobody if Charlotte had said it and then her husband had been sort of dancing around it because he felt it, you know, it was sensitive or whatever. That would be one thing. But why mm. did they not let Charlotte or Miranda? Like Miranda could have said to her when I was, I know she hasn't said it to anyone else except yeah. Charlotte yet, but I, if I were in that writer's room, I would have said, let Miranda in on it after the lunch and had her say, I, tr- I seriously considered having a termination when I was having Brady, and that seems very weird now because, of course, Brady's my grown-up son. But it's okay to consider it. She's recently had a horrible argument, not in this episode, but the one before with her ex about him. He says you didn't even want Brady. Saying you never wanted your son anyway. Having said that, that. she never even told him she was thinking about having a termination. She didn't tell Brady. would have made uh, sense story for that to happen. Until she decided to keep who turned out to be Brady. And then... Hmm. Then told Steve, hey, I'm pregnant, I'm going to keep the baby and you can be involved or not. And never said, I'm, I, would, I considered a termination. So I never knew, I didn't really understand why Steve said you never even wanted Brady because how would he have known that? Maybe they discussed yeah. it at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, but he did apologise for it. Maybe he just meant in your attitude, you you weren't that into being a mum when, when Brady was small, who knows. Yeah. But what did you think about the end of this episode where Lisa says I'm bleeding and it's too late to go it's to the really hospital. Sad. It's really sad. I thought that was one of the most effective, affecting moments in the series, quite, if not the most so far. It's quite a strange storyline though, isn't it? It's like, I don't want to yeah. be pregnant, but I can't bring myself to terminate. And now it's... And now the decision's made for us and this is really sad. It's, it's, um, it's, a, it's I think there's something... Oh God, I mean, uh, I think there's something quite powerful in I thought there was something quite powerful in her dilemma Mm -hmm. like that she's waited you know until her 
mid fifties, presumably, to get this huge career break. Because she has been raising three and children then, as well as yeah, supporting, her and like to and then have the this happen as an accident, as it does. Also, I think there'll be people that don't know that that can still happen as an accident. You know, like that in itself mm. is really strong stuff. I think, but then it sort of feels like. Oh, I don't know. I hadn't realised how much I cared about her. I felt really sad hearing that. I felt like it was that scene was done really well. But I like you say, it's um I suppose just on a grander scheme, I'm slightly disappointed that they've wedged all of that crescendo into one episode mm. for her. <laughs> all of that dilemma and the resolution into one episode out of eleven. Uh, and also just disappointing that they weren't at least able to say the word. So strange. But do you know what I've just thought? Yeah. What you've made me think now, I hadn't thought of this before. There are women currently in America and presumably sometimes uh, trans people being prosecuted for miscarriages and, you know, oh, well, you did this or, you know, around what? the world actually that happens that sometimes they come after them and say you did an at-home abortion. What? So whether or not the writers wanted to demonstrate, sometimes someone can be conflicted about having a baby, yeah. decide they don't want an abortion and still miscarry in order to demonstrate that you should not prosecute when someone miscarries and assume yeah. it was an at-home abortion. Is that what they were going for? That's the most generous theory, I think, that we I can I think it must offer. be something like that. Because otherwise I can't yeah. really understand it because – it's like that there's so much thought's gone into everything else in this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think it's very, 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 a very strange storyline. But was, I guess, mm. is the poignancy of you don't really want something, but then when you lose it, you think maybe I did want it? Yeah. Well, yeah I hadn't made my mind up yet. And actually, actually, women's choice is already not going to be entirely women's choice because we can't control our bodies entirely. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's a sad kind of. Yeah. Truth in that too, you know, like. A woman's right to choose sometimes gets taken away by nature. Yeah. 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 That's a really, it's a, it's a really often, interesting one. Yeah. Really yeah, often. Yeah. 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 Oh, miscarriage is very, 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 very frequent. But it was a strange, yeah. it was, yeah. but she didn't say the word miscarriage either. She didn't wake him up and say, I think I've had a miscarriage. She woke him up and said, there's bleeding. And he said, let's so, go to the hospital. Yeah. She said, it's too late. At no point did she say, I don't think I can have an abortion because I've, I've got my three kids and it just, you know, which is valid and it's not, not yeah. feminist to feel you don't want to do that, even if you're not sure you want another child. You know, there's all sorts of yeah. emotions and feelings in that, which are absolutely understandable. But she also couldn't say the word miscarriage. And if she had not said the word vasectomy, I'd be more mm. like... They're doing that. Well, that character doesn't get to the point. That character doesn't straight speak. Exactly. That character is what she very does. Happy to say you should have had a vasectomy eight years ago when I told you to have a yeah. vasectomy. So, oh, yeah. okay, fair enough. And actually, in every other instance, like, yeah, well, at her event, at that conference event and stuff like that, she's like, she always says a perfect thing, right? She nails mm. it. So it is weird that she's suddenly become someone who talks around the thing. Yeah. But then, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it was a strange storyline. I did, I, I went online to see what people said about it. And there were lots of people writing what's happened to Sex and the City that it can't now. It used to be so on mm. these issues. Also, to be honest, they had Gloria Steinem on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And Carrie said, <laughs> Gloria Steinem, I've admired you all your life. And I was like, you did 
lied to Aiden about having an abortion because you were embarrassed. And I was like, you did, you absolutely, you've admired Gloria all your life. Mm. Um, <laughs> you literally couldn't tell, you, you told your boyfriend you'd never had an abortion because you were ashamed yeah. and then went, I, I did, but I was 21. I mean, no, I was 19. I mean, 21. I mean, 23. Yeah. Um, anyway. Are you enjoying the clothes? Should we get that covered? Are you enjoying the clothes? I my favourite thing about the clothes has been that in every single episode, Carrie has worn a different entire bed. She has. I don't know why yeah. they're covering up so much. I loved that outfit she was wearing. <gasps> oh, I've got to tell you something. That outfit she was wearing oh. in the first episode of last week's where she was in underwear with this sheer thing over the top, which was to me like old Carrie. Mm. And I don't understand why yeah. she still doesn't dress like old Carrie and why she's in so many duvets. Although I did like that snow duvet coat. I loved that. <laughs> snow duvet was like something out of Frozen. I loved that. Wasn't it? I loved that. But I got an Easter egg from so many people because last week we talked about why Aiden was in tighty whities in that scene, that he's got this miraculous body for a man in his 60s. That, that actor's mm-hmm. in his 60s. Um but he clearly, he's clearly been doing a lot of your kind of burpees and CrossFit. PE. He's been doing all your PE, clearly, because he's 62 yeah. and he's got abs for days. But he was in tighty whities and we were like, oh, that wasn't very attractive underwear. I had so many people write in oh. to say it was an Easter egg. They were the same pants he was wearing <gasps> when Carrie took a call from Big and said, sorry, but he's still in my oh. life. He's still my friend. And he got really upset about it. And then they, the two <gasps> men had a fight in the mud in the country. He was in the same pants and lots of people. Oh. Uh, I think Geordie might have been the first one. Geordie Stavros might have been the first one to write in and say, but loads of people wrote in and said. Um, that is very yeah, cool to notice that. And Geordie also told us there was a cameo from Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listening uh, that he was the real estate agent helping Seema when she slept with the Marvel director. Uh, oh, so I mean, I don't watch reality television really. So million dollar. No, I don't either. But I thought that I really noticed that person because I thought I thought the writing was really nice around the sort of bitchy little. Well, I'll do anything. We'll do anything to get the sale. Right. I thought that was a real like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently that person is a real estate agent. Um, oh, that's really funny. Like a celebrity estate yeah. agent. And so everyone, <laughs> ev- everyone shouting out. Just to be clear, everyone shouting out. He was wearing the white pants because he was, etc., yeah. etc. Uh, we missed it entirely. It's not like us to miss an Easter egg, but we missed it entirely, and we Sorry. we are thrilled to be informed and updated. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. 
LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're recording more live episodes and you can come and see us. We are live in Chichester on the 21st of August, where we'll be talking to the cast of my new play, Never Have I Ever. You can also see my new play, Never Have I Ever, if you can get to Chichester in September. It's starring Susan McComa, Greg Wise, Alexandra Roach, and Amit Shah, and is being directed by the incredible Emma Butler. And we're recording episodes of The Guilty Feminist and Global Pillage at the London Podcast Festival on Saturday the 16th and Sunday the 17th of September. For tickets to any of these, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. Except if you want to go to the play, and then I want you to go to cft.org.uk. You can also get ad-free episodes via Patreon, Apple Podcasts, or Acast Plus. And if you're passing iTunes or Spotify and you felt like leaving us a five-star review, we'd love you forever. It really does help people find the podcast, as does subscribing or following. And now, back to the podcast. Now, you said you had a story about Seema saying, I love you too early. Can you tell us about that? I love that moment. And I like the idea that that keeps happening to adults. But my first, I had a few I had lots of sort of silly couple of weeks, maybe the odd couple of months, boyfriends. But my first proper, you know, whopper, year plus or whatever, Dave, um, I was 15, 16. We got on with this stuff early in the countryside. And um, I think I'd already been quite grown up about, like, I don't want to talk about emotions until they're overwhelming. Thank you very much. Like, I don't, you know, I wasn't soppy. I didn't. Anyway. I remember my cousins were down who were like, my brother and sister were really close. Um, and um, it was back when we used landlines mainly. I don't think I even had a mobile phone yet. And um, Dave rang and I picked it up in the lounge where obviously other people were. And at the end of the phone call, um, I just said, okay, I love you. Bye. And then hung up and was like, <gasps> I remember my cousin Dan looking at me and going, like that and then the phone rang and I picked it up and it was Dave going what did you just say uh, and I went nothing and hung up <laughs> <laughs> nothing and I hung up I was like oh no do you think it was I love you slipping out or was it reflexive the way you say I love you to mom or something like that were you or did you mean it oh no I did I loved oh. him yeah I was loved him but um oh I loved him a bit he was such a kind man he was such a lovely man he is such a lovely man. I'm still in touch. Um, Dave was a bit older than me and he was ready to like settle down. And I was like 16 and I was like, I want a party. I want to go to uni. I want a million. I want a thousand lovers. Like I did not want to settle down. He was like, maybe we should talk about marriage and kids. I was like, nope. 
so I dumped him and broke his heart. That's very much the story of Carrie and Aidan, and now they're together. Yes. So if things don't work out with Steph, I think give Dave a call. Um, <laughs> now I'm sure they will work out with Steph. That was a joke. Steph, if you listen to yes, this, that was Steph? a joke. She's joking. Joking. I know they will work out. And oh god, I'm cursing that now. Oh god, get back me out of this cul-de-sac. Um, I love it. Well, I kind of loved that Seema vomited out. I love you, and that, that yeah. Ravi said it too. I, I knew this was going to be her big love, and I'm I'm really thrilled. Yeah, I want to know a bit more about him. All we know is that he's sort of a little bit sexy. I, although, do I? I quite like it that we don't find out that much about the men. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is a show where the men are allowed to be the boyfriends. But yeah, I think we will. Yeah. We will find out more about him. Carrie sells her apartment to the jeweler downstairs. Um, I know Miranda cannot move into the iconic apartment because that would be weird to have Miranda mm. now being Carrie. But when Carrie was in financial difficulties and wanted to buy her apartment off Aiden because otherwise she was going to get kicked out and she realised what a good deal her apartment was... And effectively, her apartment is a bedsit. It's not got a separate bedroom, but it's spacious. It's not like the crazy kind of friends' apartments, which are absurd in a sitcom way of no one could really afford that. Actually, it's one room with a curtain between the bed and the living. It's not that big. It's just got a really big wardrobe, which she loves. But the wardrobe goes into the bathroom. It's a bit of a weird Manhattan apartment and a tiny old-fashioned kitchen I always bought she could have lived in that apartment, especially in the 90s when things were not so absurdly priced and she bought it in the noughties. When she was going to get kicked out and she was had previously been on rent controlled and so on and so on, she went and looked at other apartments and went, oh my God, I can't afford anything anymore. I need to find a way to buy this apartment. I didn't have a deposit. Miranda yeah. said, I'll help you. Samantha said, I'll help you. And Charlotte didn't. And she went and had a go at <coughs> Charlotte and Charlotte went, I don't like money and friends, you know, did all of that. Mm. And then Charlotte eventually did help her, gave her her engagement ring, which obviously was enough grand that she could uh, buy the Wow. Probably 50 grand or something. Um, Miranda is now clearly in a situation where she's a student again. She hasn't yet, so as not to destabilise her son, sold the house and her ex is living in the house. And she is literally living in a box room um, mm. and the bathroom is through her, yeah. the owner of the flat's bedroom. So she sometimes has to go home to go to the loo, presumably. I find it weird that Carrie, who's got obviously so much more <laughs> money than God, because she is buying yeah. in Manhattan, in Gramercy. We looked up houses in Gramercy. And like, it's, it looks like a house, not an apartment. Yeah. Looking over Gramercy Park. Oh, it yeah. It must be like 30 million. And has then yeah. Jesus Christ. given her flat away, effectively. She must have, to the Stony Brook jeweller downstairs, she must have said, well, you can have it for five grand or something. I can't understand how that jeweller, I don't understand what's happened there. But Miranda's homeless. Like, she was so angry when Charlotte didn't help her. Discuss. What do you think about this? Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And that's the one Why thing is that. Miranda um, not more like. That's the one thing that really tickled me about all this is I think they've. Like, you could have made so much more room for real story. Like, if you hadn't had all of them sofa surfing between each other's gaffes. Mm. So that was what really tickled me about whenever Steph popped in while I was watching this. She'd be like, 
she's living in her house now. Uh-huh. Like, she was just so confused about why is everyone in and out of everyone's Oh, yeah, that like Harry had to go and like, stay like, at Chase. Yeah. But, like, I, I, all of that I found yeah. absurd. I was like, there's no just way little... she's so rich, she'd just take an Airbnb in her neighbourhood um, yeah. permanently. She would not be, like, going over to Chase in Brooklyn. Um, it was absolutely weird. There's another scene I didn't, I didn't, I not really yet don't understand the scenes where Che is watching themselves. Uh, yeah, well, we need to talk when about When they this. were Cheryl doing stand-up. I don't get, is this, It was that scene meant to foreshadow Che's stand-up, horrible stand-up about Miranda? Because... It just didn't. I couldn't follow the logic of it. it. Wasn't clear. I don't think getting upset about that really justifies writing and performing such nasty, not true comedy mm. about a recent ex. Well, the whole vibe of that comedy club was nasty, wasn't it? Like the person before, yeah, pointed at two people in the audience and yeah. said, "Oh, you're a cishet couple cruising queer comedy clubs to get yourself some nasty non-binary." dick and pussy and I was just like oh my god I've never heard a comedian talk like that to anybody in an audience and also and I've been to some rough clubs you know but I was just like Mm. why are you saying that you you don't want people supporting your comedy club that's so weird they were just a couple that had come to see some comedy and they're like oh what's on in here then and it's like what are you saying that you want you that they're sexually harassing the acts when they all they were doing was sitting there. That was really unpleasant. Yeah. And then and now Chady Az, if I'd been brought on after that, I'd been upset. I would have been like, why did you say that? And I'd be like saying to the people in the audience, Are you okay? And instead they did this really nasty routine about Miranda that again, had it been really funny. Yeah. Like I know comedians who do rag on their exes, but if it's it's really funny i understand you know oh they've exaggerated it's hyperbole blah 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 but they it's just not good jokes oh i mean i actually don't know any successful comedians <coughs> who are really nasty about their ex not in that like no, so no. you actually go to the lengths of saying like really you know crap at sex um you know horrible about her whole personality like it was really like it was so uncomfortable what the, what are they having go on with? It really does feel like it. Alison's nailed Alison that. Has nailed that. <laughs> it really does feel like they're going. Oh, somebody has had a bad time dating some horrible. Yeah, it was very very strange. But also, I didn't understand why Carrie and Aiden didn't leave with Miranda and weren't more upset with Miranda. And then Carrie says yeah. to Miranda, "You've oh come on, you've got to come to my dinner party. You're not in high school. Yeah. Get over it." And I was like, and she said well, you didn't hear what Che said to me outside. And Carrie said, well, I don't really care. What? And I was like, what? I would really care. If I went to a comedy yeah, club with I you. Yeah, I think Miranda's been trampled in this series. Really not. She's cool. eaten, I'm glad she's having a good time at work because she's been so shat on by Jason and so like patient with Che, so kind and like, and then kind of taken a dumping oh, really awful. easily. Thank God she left the um, catch it lady's house and had enough self-respect to walk out of there before anything happened just because she's got I'm gonna call it like a vaguely sexy voice like I'm glad she had it and she had like a sexy moment with an English 
actor, didn't she, from the UN? I'm glad she's having moments of joy, but she's generally been pretty trodden. And actually, Carrie's doing some shit friending there. Carrie's a bad friend. Just let's out with it. Fucking yeah. bad friend. Yes. Okay, uh, Miranda's okay, been her friend Okay, if you're saying it, then I'm okay to say Miranda's it. Miranda's been her friend. She's She was always a bad friend. She would always go over yeah. it. One time Miranda called her on and said, you've just come over to talk about bigger Aiden or whatever, and you don't really care about me. She'd brought bagels, but no cream cheese. I remember that being a sticking point. It's like, you just, this Lovely. is an excuse just to talk to rant. Yeah. And she's been Miranda's friend since the 80s or the 90s, because they were already really yeah. good friends when we joined them in like the mid 90s. And I'm like, you've just met Che, and Che yeah. is Miranda's ex, and Che has not treated Miranda well. And yeah, okay, if you want to go and support Chase comedy, that's fine. But saying to Miranda, are oh, you just throw all your exes away? You know, and then sitting next to her, watching Che say unspeakable things about her and not leaving with her and not going, hmm, that, that was really not very nice of Che and I'll support you. I'm not yeah. going to pick a huge fight with Che, but... No, Carrie's backed her exes and not her friends yes. over and over yes. again in this. And she shat on Seema by promising to that house and then backing out of it. At least she got called out on that. Yeah, that's true. And I don't mind her just still being friends with Steve because Steve's the nicest person in the world and hasn't really done anything oh, wrong. Yeah. But there is a sort of, look, you know... Really good at boxing as well. <laughs> there is a sort of, you're my friend, therefore... I'm, you know, I'll be team Miranda yeah. because your mates are meant to support you and she's more Miranda's mate than Steve's mate. I, it feels like, I get the one with Steve because it wasn't his fault, but the, and he was a good husband, but the one thing with Che of I'm going to support her comedy, even if it's absolutely vile about you and mm. I am going to then force you to have dinner with her rather than say to Che, look, Miranda's feeling upset about the comedy. Do you think it's okay if you don't come to yeah, the last supper? Yeah, don't come. You don't like coming to things anyway. <laughs> You've been bragging about that all series. Yeah. Go home and have one of your particularly massive joints. <laughs> I think I would say... Think about if, what you've done. If you dated a comedian who you really yeah. fell hard for and then yeah. you broke up and they'd not treated you well and then they did this massive comedy rant and I was at the club because... You know, we're friends. I'm friends with both of you, or it's I'm at a comedy club. Yeah. And they did a nasty rant about you, and you left in tears. I would follow you, mm. and I would go, Actually, I've just had a word with them about not coming to my party because I want you to come. And I just think, think what oh, they said was unfair. Deb, thanks. Yeah, I would. I would. And I'm, I'm a better friend than Carrie. I'm putting that out there. I would not say, You're not well. in high school. Come and sit opposite them at the table and have to be nice to them all night, even though you know they're going, because they're going to go around to other clubs and do that. And I'll tell you what yeah. Alison's theory is absolutely on the money. What happens? Do you remember what happens when Miranda walks away in tears? Who comes up to Che afterwards? Did you do you remember this? Carrie. Is that Carrie? No, it's a, a who? fan who fancies them. Oh yeah, yeah. A fan Toby. who fancies them, Toby, comes up. Yeah. And then Che goes, Oh, no one understands that I just gotta be myself and they're all demanding that I be someone I'm not, oh. and da 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 da. And then Toby goes, no, feel your feelings, be yourself, because <coughs> I fancy you. Toby's trying to get in their pants, yeah. And There's nothing hotter than someone who's sad and angry at the same time or something bizarre so like awful. that. It's like, um, <laughs> that, you've got issues, and, actually, if that's what you're after. And if you want me when I'm stress crying, that is... That is, that is 100% <laughs> what I've seen comedians do. I have been talking to yeah. comedians Yes, who, it's so true. 
they can make themselves a victim in yeah, any emotional yeah, yeah. situation, and I will even say, when they've just. That is, in my experience, mostly male comedians, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so That was my line to Steph when we first met. I think a few of her friends really said, Are you sure you want to date a stand up? And I had to go, Oh, no. Hashtag not all men, but it really is mainly the men. It really is. It is. is. So I feel it's a little bit unfair that this is happening to a non-binary. This is is a portrayal of a non-binary comedian. Because I don't know that, I mean, I don't know many non-binary comedians, but I, I, I don't know that there is a stereotype about, the great thing about being non-binary is there's no stereotypes about you yet. Yet. Um, Yet. uh, Well, but. And just like that, I'm trying to build some. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's great. (laughs) But it is certainly true that male stand-up comedians do this. I've been talking to male stand-up comedians, yes. people that the audience would know. I obviously won't say their names. And remember once having a really good conversation with someone in Edinburgh and a fan came up who said, um, oh, I just want to say I've been flyering for you and I just I had to come and see your show because I'm flying for you and I just think you're a brilliant comic. And that man just turned from me and like, was breathing it in like narcissistic waves. Whereas if someone oh. had come up to me and said, I've been flying for you and I like your show, I would have gone, that's so kind of you and had a really warm interaction, but then turned back to the friend who I was talking to, or at least included that friend in the conversation. But yeah. all this person did then was tell them how great they were for an hour in great detail. And that person never even saw me again. They just, I was just like, I wasn't there. And I just backed away and they never even said goodbye because it, they were so obsessed. Yeah. And there's another comedian who honestly, if I'm talking to him about him or his show, if I say, oh, I love that bit where he's just like, I'm like the only person in the world. And if I say, it reminds me a bit of just mm. Foster Q's show, they, this is what's happened. They literally turn <laughs> away and go, babe, should we go home? Like I've, been, I've <gasps> just disappeared, like an oasis. I've just disappeared. Oh my God, gross. Honestly, seriously, yeah. it's a real it's a real thing. And that Comedians is what they're parodying. Comedians can be so gross. Yeah. And I don't think they're parodying a non-binary comedian. I think... No, it is they're, com- they're parodying all stand-up comedians. They are. And Cynthia Nixon said, I'm only going to come back on the basis that my character has a queer storyline. Yeah, lovely. And at the same time, some writers in the room went, I just did a stand-up comedian, this is what happened to me. And they went, great, let's combine those. Yeah. That is, I think, what has happened. I wish they'd ask Cynthia Nixon to do her sex scenes a bit less breathily in a <laughs> feminist show. There's so much sighing. You can, every single time you kiss someone, you don't go, <sighs> <laughs> maybe she does like tennis players maybe she rump. does maybe she does in fairness i tell you what after see she's ever single and i'm ever single try and get a snog in just see how breathy it is irl um stanford has become a shinto monk um yeah absolutely bizarre storyline why and that's you the could thing. have made room for so much actual story but that's the thing why did that lead to that poor actor who what? died? I don't feel as being honoured in the best possible oh, way. Dear. But um, no. well, bless, bless Willie Gusson. He, to be fair, Willie Gusson might have found this funny. I think that he became yes. a Shinto monk. I think he might have found it funny. Yeah. Um, I've let go of the, all the things. But the sex conversation. But I've let go of all things that no longer serve me. I.e., I'm now no longer right. in a brutal divorce with Anthony. He he yeah. can have the apartment. He can have everything. Absolutely fine. Which is, I mean, mm. for Anthony, must be like, wow, he's generously giving me stuff. But it's because he says, I've let go of all things that no longer serve me, which is sometimes what happens if people get into a sort of place of meditation and, you know, self-awareness yeah. uh, and awareness of the universe and all of that. Great. But that makes Anthony, I think, what we're meant to think, because his boyfriend's been saying, hey, why do you have to be a bottom or a top? Why can't we all 
switch yeah. because young that's what young people do. I don't think it's always I learned true. a word from this series about that. What's that? Because Miranda and someone else had a is it verse? Is that short for versatile? Oh. So that's a queer person who does everything. Tops and bottoms. Hmm. Tops and bottoms. Um, but with women as well, there's all different. I hadn't, I mean, I'm learning all I of this stuff. I didn't know that one. I didn't notice that one. About like you get, um, uh, Jen Brister taught me that because I've been trying to learn about butch lesbianism mm. a bit more after seeing Grace Petrie's brilliant um, mm-hmm. stand-up storytelling show, Butch You Do About Nothing. And um, you, you can, there's a thing called a, a thing. There are people um, who identify as stone Butch, yes, and that is a butch lesbian who you can't touch. Yeah, they they do all the they touching. Do, they want to do all the all the giving, the giving all the doing, no all the actions. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh god, that's so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really um, as much as it's very silly that the monk business leads to the maybe I will receive some sex in my bum bum conversation. It's, I thought the actual conversation was quite revelatory that there's kind of a generational rift. Mm. And I found that all, if it's like kind of generally true, quite like educational quite and on the money in terms of like, oh, isn't that funny that there's like, I don't know, like, um, I think it's a bit of Gen X, a Gen X boomer generation where general. it's like, no, you're the man, I'm the woman. Mm. Whereas like I was, those you know, my generation really laughs at my parents for insinuating or needing to ask who might be a man and who might be a woman in any same sex or queer relationship. It's, you know, it's comical. It's like, well, can't we all just be a bit really complicated bit of both? I've always felt like that, ironically, in all of my straight relationships. Yeah, yeah. Or Hannah Gadsby <laughs> my, my, says... My son's dad's always joking that I was definitely the the, the, blokier, the bloke in our relationship. Oh, really? Oh, really? Mm. Um, Hannah Gadsby says... Uh, men always want to know which one of us is the is the man. Neither of us is the man. That's the point. Um, and yeah. it's just they. What what does she say? Something like they can't imagine a relationship without a man in it. The way they can't imagine yeah. a living room without television. <laughs> 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 and it's just it's a, brilliant. It's, it's funny. It's like neither of us is the man. That's the point. We're both women. That's the point. And um, but the top and bottom thing is about penetration. And okay. uh, what Anthony's saying is I've always been the top yes. and in all the other yeah. relationships and hookups I've had, I've been with bottoms. I penetrate. I'm not penetrated. This is what I'm making out. I mean, they're coy again. They're quite coy the way they're coy about the abortion. But um, when, when Stanford gets enlightenment and realizes I should let go of things that no longer serve me, I think Anthony lets go of his sphincter and goes, <coughs> let me open it up. To being penetrated to now, what sounds like a nine-inch dick. <laughs> I I feel like some people in the gay community will find this a very problematic storyline. Oh, yeah, really? I think they will because they'll okay. say I am a topper, I am a bottom, and that's and I've got mm-hmm. friends who are sides, and that aside, yeah, is I don't want to be penetrated, and I don't want to be, I don't want to penetrate. There's loads of other stuff I really like yeah. doing. Oh, I've learned that from you. Thank you. I didn't know yeah. you could be a, a side. side. Yeah, I thought a side would just be someone who likes just sort of like spoon humping. <laughs> No, no. A side oh. is I don't need penetration or particularly want it. I don't I don't want it or need right. it. I just I'm just like it's not like they would never do it if someone else really wanted it necessarily. Um yeah, but, but that's like, not what that's not mainly their thing. You know. Yeah. You, you know that in bed sometimes it might be someone else's thing and you don't mind it, so you go, Okay, oh, God, fair of enough. Course. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll have a go with totally. it, but it's not what I fantasize yeah. about. 
Um, a side yeah. is either someone who absolutely does not, cannot do penetration or doesn't want to or isn't their, isn't yeah. their... Isn't, it's not their best. It's not their absolute favourite. They wouldn't even put it in their top five. And <laughs> that's... Uh, this is what I think anyway. Please email me yeah. and tell me I'm wrong. Do feedback it, to Deborah more than me. <laughs> If you've got um, but that is a, such a, a bizarre storyline that I oh, just Oh, how think... funny that I naively was like, God, I feel really educated. I, I don't I don't remember, and maybe I'm watching the wrong things, I don't remember watching ever before having the opportunity to watch two men in a sexual relationship have a conversation like that about what they are and aren't into in a mainstream mm. bit of television. And I really enjoyed yeah. it. And I really enjoyed the openness of it and how candid it was and... I liked it. I really like that young, that character. Giuseppe, the poet. Yeah, I think yeah. He's, he's a good thing. He's a good thing for Anthony, and I'm mm. glad Anthony's getting a little bit of action. Saying that, though, if you have never been a receiver up the dark side, I don't reckon, don't, you've got, don't start, don't start with, start with that. Yeah, because that's terrible. That is. He said he knows how to be gentle. Yeah. I trust, I trust okay. Giuseppe. Yeah. He's not going to give him... The full pentameter. Yes, made me gulp. He's gonna. It might be iambic, but it's not going to be the full pentameter. Okay. Um, I think it's just going to be a little bit of just the tip at first, you know, with some poppers and lube. He's hoping. <laughs> Can't maybe believe I'm just sort of crack this. on with a finger finger to start with. Yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll, he'll work him in. Yeah. Um, Carrie and Aiden have been going so brilliantly. They're just happy. They're just. It's really nice to see oh, them just something. Be happy. And then I know, but I'm like, well, he's going to die. He's going to die. Surely he's going to die. That's my prediction. No, he's not. I think Aiden's he's going to choke gonna on something that a Michelin starred chef has made. He's not going to die. He's not going to die. Big died. They're not going to repeat. Big. They're not going to have. If she goes back into mourning, I'm out. That's it. I'm done. But okay. his son, who clearly is very unhappy with him being away, even on the weeks when he's with his mom, he's not getting on his mom. His youngest son is really going through mm. some stuff. He's 14, as 14 year olds sometimes yeah. do. And he stole. Aiden's pickup truck had some drinks and ran it into a tree, clearly to get the attention from his dad and tell his dad, well, if you're not going to come back when I ask you, you'll have to come back now because I'm in the hospital. I think that's a kind of cry for yeah. help. And he's crying, feeling very, very guilty, as uh, yeah. understandably a parent might. Um, even though technically he didn't do anything wrong, I understand that as those feelings of guilt of a parent mm. and saying, I should have been here and then this wouldn't have happened. And he could have killed himself. I mean, I think that's the thing that he's feeling. Um, yes, his bones will heal, but he could have killed himself. Mm. What could possibly happen now? Like, is Wyatt going to move in? I think Wyatt's going to come with him and be a tip. A I don't think team. Carrie really wants that. I think Carrie's been, I think it's been quite interesting, the writing there, the way that Carrie's like, well, isn't he on his mum's week? Like, mm. she's not been. And the episode closed with her saying, and just like that, for the first time, I was worried. And I was like, what, for the first time ever? <laughs> I mean, I think he's got a teenage, I know he's got older kids as well, but like, God, crap, like what planet are you on? You've not done any worrying. She's on planet Bradshaw. Um, yeah. And she just thinks, she just, like that. just sees what's in front of her and goes, the first time. I'm really like, I'm really fancy right now. So nothing bad can happen. We'll be in my, yeah. on, on some weeks we'll be in Manhattan, some weeks we'll be in Virginia and we'll just be this perfect couple. And actually what I do like Ashling B, I think, was saying to Sarah Pascoe, who said it on this show, that they like that this isn't a show where she thinks, maybe I should have had kids. Maybe I should have had kids with Aiden. Oh, no. She doesn't. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. She's not a kid's person, but she's clearly no. thinking about accommodating them, but really for Aiden's sake. But she wants to be, yeah, I think she's she's open to being a good stepmom. But 
Yeah. Now she's bought a four bedroom house for them or apartment like house for them. And it sounds like Aiden's like, I can't leave Virginia I think again. What I want to happen and um what I want to happen is that he realizes he does need to prioritize his kids mm. and that she's gonna have to come to Virginia all the time. Like, but she's been independent for a while now, but she's gonna or she's just gonna have to like accept that he doesn't live with her all the time. It's not sex and the Virginia, it's sex and the yep. city. He's going to need to be there for that kid while that kid's in such a pickle. I think that kid's going to come. I think the kid, I think Kathy's going to say, the the kid wants to be with you. I think it would be best for him to get out of Virginia, make other friends. Why don't you, the other kids are at college. Why don't you move to New York for a while with Wyatt? He's clearly needs a new scene. And I think she's going to have a full-time teenage son in New York and he's going to give her hell. And I'm really looking forward to it. Luckily, I reckon Charlotte's daughter will probably sleep with him and Ah! that'll fix him. (laughs) Oh my God. He's only 14. I love the idea that that like Lily, the academic overachiever, who is so Charlotte's daughter that she announces the loss of her virginity to her own mum, who's ever done that in the history of time, is what I want. I love that they've written for her that she is going to bang literally everybody who enters her path that is success just to be she's as if she wasn't enough of an overachiever just to be clear this white's 14 and is not shaggable until he's 16 so i really hope that doesn't happen because that is an illegal storyline and absolutely wrong <sighs> i do like that she got off with brady though i think that's quite funny um uh, uh jessica foster q your thoughts on yeah. sex the city have been amazing uh, I've loved doing this. Thank I've you for giving me the excuse to watch it. Just loved it. I've just loved every second of it. Um, do you have anything to plug? Anything that the listeners should hear about? Yeah, I do. I would really love people to listen to my podcast, Hoovering, that's all about eating. Um, I've got some up? extraordinary guests coming up on it, including Grace Dent, mm-hmm. Joe Lysett, mm-hmm. um, some absolute whoppers. Um, and then um, also... I have got a brand new show touring in 2024 called Metal, as in Fettle or Settle. And um, it's um, going to be going on sale at some point in September. So follow me on Instagram and or X. At just I'm just calling it and I'll be I'm not, releasing I'm not those dates. X. Just, yeah. I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> follow me on social media. Excellent. Because um, at some point in September, tickets for that will be going on sale. Excellent. Um, yay. I've been listening to the Guilty Feminist Watchers and Just Like That with me, Deborah Francis White, and my very special guest, Jessica Foster-Q. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Zielinski. The Guilty Feminist is part of the ACAST Creator Network, and Just Like That is on Max in the United States, and Sky Comedy and Now in the UK. See you next time for episode 11, Last Supper, part two, Entree. Um, Amazing. Carrie Bradshaw is apparently now Jesus, because she's having a Last Supper. She's a very nice. She's our messiah. If we're, if it, she's the messiah of young women in the noughties who liked shoes yeah. and wanted more sex than they were having. The guilty feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.